Welcome to the Being Human podcast, brought to you by Relate Malaysia. Join us in our conversations about what makes us human and why we think and behave in the ways that we do. We'll talk about mental health, emotional well-being, and how we can sometimes feel on top of the world. And other times, like life calls for a large tub of ice cream and a big spoon. So come on in, relax, and let's explore this puzzle of being human together. Hi, and welcome to the first ever episode of Being Human podcast. My name is Dr. Chua Suk Ning, the founder of Relate Malaysia, and this week I'll be joined by Professor Jean Watson from the University of Toronto as we talk about how we can make friends with our emotions. Professor Watson teaches and conducts research on the process and outcome of psychotherapy with a specific focus on emotion-focused therapy and has conducted studies to examine the effectiveness of different approaches, comparing cognitive behavioral therapy to emotion-focused therapy to client-centered therapy. She has also co-authored and co-edited a total of eight books on humanistic and emotion-focused therapy, and her latest book is entitled Emotion-Focused Psychotherapy for GAD with Dr. Leslie Greenberg. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jean. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Sook. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So we have known each other for quite a while now. Yes. And I first met you when you came down to Singapore uh, to give a workshop on emotion-focused therapy. I thought you were kind of cool. And I thought, hey, <laughs> I would like to get to know you a little bit more. And <laughs> thanks for being friends with me. Um, and today we're going to... Yeah, your pleasure. It, it has been my pleasure too. I have to admit that uh, it's, it's, you know, we're, I think we have a lot of good discussions about emotions. Um, and today we're going to be talking about, I guess, how to be friends with your emotions. So mm-hmm. do you want to start maybe about telling us why do many of us have a hard time with emotions? Oh, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I think many of us have, can have a hard time with emotion because um, we haven't really learned or mastered the words or the understanding of, of, of what's happening in our bodies and, and what, what the feelings are and what the feelings mean. Um, and sometimes those feelings can feel very overwhelming. Uh-huh. Um, and at times like that, um, there's a sense of... Um, wanting them just to go away. Um, right. And at other times, we can also maybe have grown up where emotions were not considered valuable or um, where what we were experiencing was so painful that we learned to really shut those feelings down. We learned to stop attending to them. Um, right. We learned to sort of silence them. And then, of course, um, that causes problems later because we don't, we don't have guides to our behavior that are informed by what we feel and what we need. Mm-hmm. But it almost seems like, you know, when I, when, sorry, when I was listening to you talk about it, it, it seems that that's quite a, like a process that's socialized, you know, like through experience that we maybe detach from emotions or we shut it down um, or we don't you know, we don't learn to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Do you think it, it's 
you know, when we're born, like we are actually more in touch with our emotions than later on? No, I think I'm learning to uh, process and know and modulate and regulate our emotions is very much a socialized process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so there's no one that's born just knowing it. I think what we're born with is the capacity to know that something feels pleasant, mm-hmm. good, or bad, unpleasant. Um, and there are kind of emotional behaviors that go along with that, like crying or expressing distress or um, yeah. smiling and cooing if it yeah. feels right so I think the the ability to discriminate what feels good from what feels bad is probably there from birth or pretty early on Um, but a more differentiated a more refined sense of that is something that Mm. develops in interaction with our environment and Mm. other people yeah so I know we've talked a lot about um, you know the sort of stereotype that Asians don't have emotions Um, What's your response to that? Well, I see that very much as a stereotype. You know, I think to be a mammal and particularly to be a human being, mm-hmm. um, we do experience emotion because emotion is there to highlight aspects of mm. an environment that need attention. We have emotion um, in order to, um, so that we can be alert to what the impact of the environment is on us. Um, right. Emotion highlights what we need and how we need to act um, to yeah. promote our survival. And yeah. it's also a way of communicating with others. Yeah. So, so I guess that's one thing, sorry, I, I guess that's yeah. one of the ways that we don't understand, that we misunderstand emotions, right? We kind of think that emotions are bothersome and it's something that should we should do away with um, rather than attend to. Is that right? Um, I think it's some people do view emotions as bothersome and Mm. um, something that gets in the way and um, see them as irrational. Mm -hmm. So what do you think we do? Maybe we talk about like helpful ways, you know, um, that's connected to sort of emotion focused therapy. You talked about how we can be, we can treat emotions unhelpfully by pushing them away, um, by not attending to them. And that's really, sometimes in response to maybe because emotion is too painful or we never learn how to do deal with them. So what would be, you know, what's emotion focused therapy and how would emotion focused therapy deal with it? How would EFT encourage us to connect with our emotions? Well, I think um, emotion focused therapy is a very much about working with people to befriend their emotions. Um, And by that I mean for them to be able to become more aware of what's happening in terms of their organismic experiencing, to be able to tolerate what is happening and learn how to label that, um, to know what the different um, signals are, so to be able to differentiate them and, and uh, be able to differentiate sadness from anger, from hunger. Right. Um, That's important. From tiredness. I mean, yeah. those are all, all those organismic sensations, all that, yeah. that information is registered in the body is to facilitate our survival. So it's very much about 
becoming aware, being able to learn how to label it. And of course, knowing how to regulate it, but regulate it um, in the way, um, both in terms of its arousal, because none of us like to feel overwhelmed by emotion and as if um, yeah. we're going to um, lash out or act out of intense um, feelings. That's not good for ourselves necessarily, nor is it good for society and, and the people around us. So needing to learn ways of soothing and managing the levels of arousal inside, some uh -huh. of which begins to happen once we begin uh -huh. to find the labels and we begin uh -huh. to sort of understand what all that churning um, sensation and distress is inside uh -huh. and to learn other strategies, other behaviors for modulating it. Um, and right. to learn how to express this, how to express right. it to others and how to act in environments so that we can take care of ourselves, but yeah. also be attentive to the needs of others. Right? So it's, it's learning how to balance um, right. that and, and express it in a way that other people can hear, listen, and attend. Yeah. So it's actually quite a complex process, right? What you're describing seems to is quite a deep change in that person. Yeah, well, I think it's a very important capacity to develop, and yes, that would be reflective of a deep change. And the other important part of the therapy, though, is beginning to to address um, people's pain hmm. um, in such a way that. Um, they're able to transform that pain so that they can become more, um, so, you know, learn how to soothe themselves, learn to be more self-protective, um, right. ease the pain, right? So that's right. another very important kind of aspect of this emotional processing is also being able to, to um, process the pain. Yeah. So... Could you, I'm going to put you on the spot here, give me an example. You know, we talked about differentiating emotions. You, you mentioned hunger versus sadness. How, let's say I'm, I'm just, because right now it's quite late at night and I'm feeling hungry, um, or maybe I'm feeling sad. How could I differentiate the two? <laughs> and I could be both. Um, but how would, I, how would I know, you know, what could I do to figure it out? Oh, that's a, an, an excellent question. Well, there's a, I mean, part of what we develop is a, a capacity to recognize, to see if something fits, right? Right. So um, it's also developing a sensitive ear to, for the body. So if you were to ask yourself, is this hunger? Mm and try to attend to how the body responds. Or if yeah. you say to yourself, is this sadness? If you were to acknowledge the sadness, there's right. likely it might be, it would amplify a little bit, right? So you'd feel the prickling, maybe some prickling around your ears or yeah. on your eyes, oh. I mean, right? There would be, it would be slightly amplified such that you would be able to see it, right? Yeah. I guess it's kind of that, that uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go on. It's, it's like um, when you're trying not to cry, but then someone says, 
you know, and, and sometimes you do that to me <laughs> when I don't want to feel, when I don't want to admit my oh. feelings. And then you go like, oh, suck, you, you seem sad. I'm like, oh. you know, and it, by you just drawing attention to it, it amplifies it for me. Right. Uh, and it's like, I can't ignore that sad feeling anymore. Right. You know, but, so it brings it, it more into conscious awareness. Right. It brings it more mm-hmm. into conscious awareness. And, you, you know, and, and, but it also brings a certain amount of vulnerability. You know, like we, we, maybe we don't yes. want people um, to, to see that side of us. That's right. That's right. Because vulnerable emotions can make us feel one down in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, we have to be able to trust um, that the other person will not take advantage of us. We have to trust right. that the other person will continue to respect us. Yeah. Um, even when we are feeling vulnerable and powerless and, and beaten down. And right. those are not easy places to be interpersonally. No. So it's like be, making, being friends with your emotions doesn't mean showing it to everyone. Exactly. No, we have to choose. We can be very selective right. about who we choose to share our feelings with. Mm-hmm. But at least it would, like we would be friends with our emotions. Uh-huh. Um, right. So we wouldn't be blocked from them. But it doesn't mean that we, we assume everyone else will be friends with our emotions. Exactly. To continue the metaphor there, yeah. That's right. Right. So almost like understanding it, attending to it, actually will allow us to build healthy boundaries. And, and you talked about the self-protection, right? So yes. like it, it allows us to protect ourselves appropriate ways without denial, suppression, um, or unhealthy coping. That's right. Yeah. Um, and also... Um, in ways that um, are protective of the self and set limits, but are not necessarily um, harmful mm-hmm. um, to the other, right? Mm-hmm. Except insofar as it may not give the other what they would like. Right. Um, but if what the other wants is very hurtful or painful for you, right. perhaps the, you know, there is a limit that can still be set, right? Yeah. So your latest book talks about how emotion-focused therapy can help people with generalized anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, would you take a different approach for EFT for anxiety versus EFT for depression? You well, know, is, many is that... of the um, techniques that we use in EFT are various um, methods to mm-hmm. facilitate people being able to um, access or um, get more in touch with some emotion in the session so that it can be processed um, differently. Uh Um, So, you know, sometimes we ask people to evoke episodic memories and and try to help them um, do that in a very vivid way. And it brings up Uh emotions. Sometimes we have people enact very, the critical negative voice in their head in order to bring up the 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 painful feelings surrounding that or you may get them to imagine a significant other that may have hurt 
Yeah. And that all brings up emotion in the session so that we can begin to work with it in a way to sort of transform it and allow, release um, other feelings and, and, and behavior. When we're working with anxiety, I mean, anxiety is, is, is based on fear and um, it um, happens and, you know, we, we experience it if we, if we feel threatened in some way, you know, mm. either physically or, or, or psychologically. And, and in EFT, we, we sort of, we, 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 we suggest that um, there are sort of early environments um, that can lead to um, the development of um, something like GAD, which mm -hmm. are environments where there is um, neglect, Mm -hmm. um, especially psychological, physical, emotional neglect, as well mm -hmm. as environments um, of extreme overprotection. So um, mm -hmm. in each of those extreme environments, a person doesn't, isn't able to develop in a way that they gain confidence themselves such that they can handle adversity or um, mm -hmm. painful experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, in neglectful environments, in fact, more often than not, they may have had to assume responsibility for their well-being um, way before they had actually fully developed um, the capacity right. to do so. Um, yeah. And usually, um, GAD manifests when people have experienced very painful situations in which they've mm -hmm. been made to feel ashamed made to feel mm. unacceptable where um, they may have been um, physically threatened and they have um, experienced um, intense sadness or loss but it's often around their selfhood their sense of themselves as a person as mm -hmm. being unacceptable um, mm. as being defective so you know we know there's a there's comorbidity with depression and anxiety so clearly mm -hmm. um, some of those similar features are present when someone becomes depressed and, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and they're also present when people um, are, are anxious. So in, um, again, with EFT, it's about, um, in, in, in depression, often we would initially focus more on the, the negative treatment of self, which are the criticisms, the, the um, negative messages that, that, that people receive, whereas anxiety, um, we may start with um, first with the worry and how yeah. people scare themselves in an attempt to get to the pain. But what we see in anxiety is that painful experience has often been silenced or not attended yeah. to or somehow shut down as the person strives to manage to survive, right? There hasn't, yeah. there hasn't been... Um, a significant other, or there hasn't been an interpersonal context um, mm -hmm. in which the pain could be um, supported and explored and, and mm. soothed, um, and nor has the person who experiences anxiety known how to set limits. Maybe we're not even capable of, of, of doing what was protective. So in the context of kind of micro-injury, um, trauma that's repeated um, over time, small T trauma, of rejection, mm -hmm. neglect, mm -hmm. people being um, unavailable, harsh, critical. Mm. Um, people um, learn to not attend to the pain because they actually don't have the capacity to, to deal with right. it. So right. in, um, in EFT, we would be one learning to process the pain mm -hmm. um, and begin to learn to, to soothe it and have the pain 
um, soothe too in an interpersonal, in a relationship. Mm. Um, so that becomes a relationship, becomes a corrective experience as, as the pain is attended to, acknowledged, right. um, and people learn to soothe and learn to learn new ways of protecting themselves that isn't right. about silencing the pain. Right. So in here is sort of the anxiety is a result of something and in a way there was a function to it as a, as a kind of protected person or so, yeah I wasn't clear about that it's a good point. the anxiety is always also about anticipating other situations in the future that may result in a similar type of pain and trying mm. to protect you from experiencing it right right so situations that might cause shame, um, you you worry about. So social anxiety, well, feeling accept, feeling rejected, um, mm -hmm. feeling disliked by others, um, mm -hmm. makes you because um, the feeling of being so unacceptable and and so unloved um, hasn't prop, hasn't been attended to, right? Mm -hmm. So you know the, the anxiety is there to alert you both to feelings right. that have not been adequately attended to or right. worked with. Um, like situations where it, it might um, come across and again? Future situations that in fact might you know, result in you experiencing that pain again. Right. right. Whilst you still feel helpless to deal with that pain. Yeah. And it's like EFT doesn't actually focus on the anxiety you know it's not really a no. challenging the anxiety but as you said it's sort of focusing on the pain that the anxiety is more of the outcome rather is, is that's that right, right. Mm -hmm. that's right mm. and by focusing on the pain the research has shown that the anxiety will decrease by processing the pain the anxiety processing the pain. Um, is decreased right but sometimes you can't focus on the pain immediately. You've also maybe got to reconstruct um, the narrative of what contributed uh, to the pain. Because sometimes the narrative or the, the, the external environment, the stimuli have yeah. not been um, registered or acknowledged um, mm -hmm. either, right? So it's about making sense of all your experience. Mm. developing a story a narrative to facilitate right. understanding being able to recognize the triggers being able to name what happened to you as well as deal with the pain that was caused as a result of it and so there's not it's not a one-size-fit-all sort of therapy um, and it's very much sort of I guess looking at where the client is at that point in time very much so and and right. what the client wants at that point in time what mm. the client able to commit to what the client what you know what the client chooses to do so that's one last question um making friends with our emotions maybe something that people have a hard time to do and you talk about processing it attending to it uh, but that's you know with a therapist how could you know let's if i want to do it alone you know, how could i help myself become more attuned to my emotions and attend to it? I think actually attuning to our emotions is very much an interpersonal process. I've suggested that actually we learn it 
in interactions mm. with others, particularly significant others, with mm -hmm. caretakers. But in the absence of that, you know, one thing it's good to do is, um, is maybe to um, keep a feeling diary, which again, it's a little bit of a check-in, um, you know, once or twice a day, just for a short period, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and just write down what you felt through the day. Try not to judge it. Try not to um, want to change it. Just name what you felt, right? Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of people do meditation and, and allow experience to emerge. So, um, you know, it's a little like that, not, not, not exactly, but it's just to, to name the feelings um, mm. and to attend to the body. So it's a, a, a check-in once or twice a day can, 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 be, can be very useful. And you're saying, you know, because we talked about what, what if I don't know what I'm feeling? And, and you, you talked about maybe just even asking ourselves, right? Is this it, right? Does this, does this fit? Um, am I feeling sad? I think that's what would happen in the process of sitting down mm. and checking in with your body. You would be asking yourself, what is that feeling? And um, right. if you say, what if you don't know, then, um, you know, I mean, getting some emojis, um, maybe getting some faces of emotion, they can, you can right. Google them. Um, right. And trying to use to use them, right? Right, right. Um, and put the expressions and the names and, and use them as a test. Um, mm. If it's still a struggle, you might, you know, you might talk to someone. Um, because often, you know, there are, a lot of the times we don't just feel one thing. Mm -hmm. Our emotions can be very mixed. They can be very, mm -hmm. you know, you feel anger and sad and, mm. and at the same time, right? Mm. Sometimes working out the blends, our emotional blends can also take, uh, mm -hmm. take, take time. Um, right. You can use colors, people, I mean, or the images sometimes that come up. It, sometimes it's not just a label, mad, bad, right. sad. But if right. you attend to your body, maybe an image will come up. Mm. So it might be this really tight claws in your chest. So mm -hmm. it's hard maybe initially to think, well, what is that feeling? But, you know, so just writing down these tight claws in my chest, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that can feel tight and um, it might feel um, cramped. There might be some sharp pain too. So, I mean, you can begin to look for some of the words that fit, right? Yeah. And, you know, someone like me is action-oriented. And I can mm -hmm. imagine that some of the listeners would be too. So now that I'm sad, Jean, what do you want me to do with it? You know, we want, you know, what, what should I do? I've, I've got it. I've identified it. It right. fits, uh, labeled it. Then what? I want it gone. Well, another very important phrase that we use in EFT is um, asking the sadness what it needs. Hmm. So asking any emotion... What does it need? What does it need right now? Right? And, you know, sadness often needs comfort. Maybe not all the time, but it often is a sign that one needs some comfort. 
um, anger may be an indication that we need to protect ourselves or set a limit, right? And then, of course, it's important to problem solve well, what would be the best way of doing that? What would be the most effective way of doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, it's not just by um, lashing out or necessarily being violent. You know, yeah. in some situations, you may have to be, but that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the way we would most like to be in most situations, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's asking the, the feeling what it needs. And sometimes, again, that's a quiet conversation with the self. You see, so we, you know, again, befriending ourselves, like, and just asking mm-hmm. it, what does it need? And seeing what emerges, right? Mm. So, it's, so what do I feel and what do I need are kind of the two are very central in EFT. Yeah. I would venture to say that this is actually more than just making friends with emotions because we're really talking about process about making friends with ourselves. Very you know, like so. what, what do I, you know, what do I, what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? What's right. going on for me? And then what do I need? Absolutely. Um, right. And the different parts of self, right? We learn to manage ourselves, right? So we have right. parts of ourselves that are very kind of characteristics. Either you said you're very action oriented, right? So there's a part of you mm-hmm. that says you, there's probably a likely a part of you that says I've got to get things done. and um, All the time. <laughs> all the time, right? Oh. I'm sure it's not all of you. Mm. Right? So right. of course you've got to have that very active person at the table. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there are other parts of you that maybe are more in the shadows. Yes, I discipline the other then. part. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure you do. I, <laughs> it's important to I it, it is only allowed to come out on Sundays. Sundays are my rest, oh. it's the rest of the days. Oh. I, <laughs> I wonder what the experience would be like if they were all just invited into the room. Yeah. The one, yeah. There wasn't one dominant in charge, but mm-hmm. what if they were all present? Democracy is messy, Jean. Yeah, I guess that's why, yeah, I mean, I mean, personally for me, and that's why it, it's sometimes easier if I, for my goals, if I go like, you know what, tired self, just talk to me on Sunday, right? But like yeah. right now I got... I need the action orientedness. I need that drive. And perhaps, you know, the fear is that, you know, because of the compartmentalization, they don't know how to talk, you know? And so we got mm-hmm. different selves that don't know how to converse. And I'm, I'm afraid that if I would uh, allow the, the tired self to express his fatigue and that he's always being driven, the, I wouldn't be able to work, you know. Right. And maybe that's not true. You know, maybe it doesn't uh, have to be that way, right? It but have I to never be give so it a chance. Extreme, right. Either or, no. Right, right. But the point is, it is very important mm-hmm. not to silence that mm. organismic experience, right? Mm. Because mm. attending to tiredness, attending to hunger, attending to those bodily sensations of being threatened or sad, those are all very important for survival. 
Mm. Of course, it's also important for survival probably to be disciplined and right. to make things happen. But there has to be a balance. Otherwise, we yeah. risk our health. We risk our psychological well-being. It's all about trying to get this balance. Right. And that's where the integration of the different parts mm-hmm. um, is crucial. I guess without, yeah, without the, the, the driver <laughs> or the that's really right. oriented one listening to the fatigue, you would never rest, you know. Exactly. Just kind of continue driving. Or rest and, you know, until, or only rest when it was broken. Uh, you know, when you become sick. Yes. yes. When you have to rest, when you're forced There's to. no option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's never pleasant too, right? No. Um, it can mm-hmm. take a terrible toll, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Thank you for joining us and sharing your thoughts. I know that was an awkward transition. <laughs> but, um, it's a pleasure. Yes. Thank you. Okay, what, one last curious question, and this is from me. Um, why EFT, Jean? <laughs> you know, of all the other therapies, what drew you to EFT? What drew me to EFT? Well, EFT was just being developed. I was initially drawn to client-centered. Um, mm. I was with Laura Rice, and that that we're working um, to to seek to understand another, to to see how they were experiencing and seeing the world, and and what made sense for them, and to find work with them to find new ways of being. It was always very exciting and exciting but it, it just felt right um, mm. that that's the way you needed to work with people um, I had um, in, when I was younger tried to be more directive or facilitate or encourage um, mm. and that failed miserably with um, a, a significant other and I had very early on learned the lesson that people will do what they want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So I had learned very early that it's important to work with someone, um, mm-hmm. to support them, to find what is important for them, what will help them thrive. And then at that time, um, while I was training, um, with Laura, Les came back and to Toronto and he brought Gestalt interventions. Um, and at first I was a little um, wary of them. They seemed confrontational. And slowly we, they began to develop process experiential therapy and, and I began to participate. And, and then um, slowly I began to see how using some of these techniques could facilitate um, emotional emotional processing and 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 fit very well within a client-centered way of exploring and 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 um, working um, in psychotherapy. And it's it's always just felt right in terms of my values. And you know, I think that, you know we have we, we have empirical support um, that, that 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 shows it's effective. And understanding um, how important 
that learning how to facilitate emotional processing, how to facilitate um, a developing understanding of um, who we are in the world, how to facilitate um, the development of, of agency and, and a sense of confidence and mastery in the self so that we can sort of pursue goals and, and live li a life that um, is beneficial for us and, and hopefully um, for society. It just, it just, um, it seemed like this made sense. Right. It's, I think it's quite incredible because the way you describe it, there's such, you, you talked about this particular therapy being alive, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think your description of it, you know, sort of emphasized to me what a developmental approach, a, a unique developmental approach EFT is actually taking. You know, that we're not just focusing on one part of a person or not just her thoughts, um, not just their past, um, but we're really, it's, it's really quite holistic and you're talking about organistic growth. Yeah. Um, well, that's know, very much it, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it really is um, working to allow that organism to emerge and develop mm -hmm. um, and thrive right mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. spite of adverse conditions it's somehow being able to provide what it needs right. so that it can once again bloom right yeah and that's very exciting it's like yeah. you know, watching a plant that's been starved suddenly emerging mm -hmm. and blooming and mm -hmm. blossoming mm -hmm. right it's seeing life emerge right yeah mm. it, it really takes you know it's so far removed from something mechanical, you know, because you can't, like a plant, you can't necessarily predict what's going to emerge or you can't, it's not just a recipe, you know, but you have to attend to it mm -hmm. and, and modify, you know, your approach or mm -hmm. maybe it constantly changing. Um, and that's where the, it seems like the excitement of this approach is, you know, yeah. that what's makes it exciting that it's not, kind of dry you know right. i think that's a that's, that's a very important point you make about the the continually adjusting that the continual need to be responsive to work with a specific person right um yeah. and always be willing to adapt and fit well, who you are what you were what you what you have to to facilitate their growth their direction right. Yeah. And that's always well, challenging. Oh, no, it is. It is. It is much easier, you know, in some ways, especially for beginning therapists, I think, to want something that's more manualized. Mm -hmm, um, of course. What, like, tell me what to do. If this happens, then that, then do that. Right. And um, rather than to work with, in, in some ways, as a, what makes it exciting could also make it scary, right? Because it's, a, it's very much so. Yeah, somewhat unpredictable. I, you're That's not right. sure what's going to come out. But it also, I think, makes it more real. You know, like here we are uh, as psychologists or, or therapists, and the intention is not, it's not just to understand one facet of, of the person, but to understand the person 
as fully as we can and to help that person understand themselves uh, and and the understanding continuously changes you know as that mm -hmm. person is changing and growing um, I think one mm -hmm. of the exciting things for me learning and then doing EFT is that I, I see my client growing and that also spurs a growth within me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the relationship evolves as well so nothing mm -hmm. is stagnant as a very dynamic process that's right that that i think keeps both the client and the therapist very engaged you know as long Absolutely. as we you know as, as we, we continuously are are attending in in some ways attending to one another you know, mm -hmm. and in that way it's so relational right mm -hmm. um and in that way too, it's hard for beginning therapists is to is to kind of trust the process and and respect the client, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not our job to get them anywhere. It's mm -hmm. our job to, to support them getting right. to the, their destination of their choice. Yeah. That's really, I guess that's, that's we have to end. But that's a good place to kind of land on that a, mm -hmm. a good reminder of, yeah, we're, we're here as, as therapists, not with our own agenda, you know, mm -hmm. and, and not pushing to you. And this is what I think a good life looks for you. That's you know, right. And, and this Absolutely. Yeah. But really working with the client so that the client you know, and maybe clients come in and they don't know what they want, but as we respect sure. them um, and give them their, their, the space to find their voice, That's right. you know, it will come out. And it does I think, what does what you mean by like trust the process, you know, that's trust right. that, that there a self would emerge and a self that's mm -hmm. healthy and right for them mm -hmm. um, will, will come forth from that, that process. Okay, we'll do our okay. second end. <laughs> Thanks, Jane, for joining Thank you. today Thank you. and then having this conversation with me. And um, I'll see you around. Yes, take care. Okay, Bye. take care. Bye-bye. And thank you for listening to the first episode of Being Human. We'll be hosting a new guest every week. So be sure to tune in for more insights on how we can understand ourselves better and learn to live a life that's meaningful and on our terms. Take care and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Being Human podcast. To find out more about Relate Malaysia's online therapy services, visit us at www.relate.com.my or email us at inquires at relate.com.my. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, remember, we are all more human than we are otherwise. Be kind to yourself and take care.